$5 in advance, available at independent bookstores, and $15 at the door. For more information, call 510-843-2152. This is 94.1 KPFA or 89.3 KPFB, both in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online all the time at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Up next, cover to cover with Jennifer Stone. Stone Zero, stay with us. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throne. Today is, today is Tuesday, 23rd of June, summer, yes, June. I want to thank, first of all today, I want to thank the kind listener who sent me this beautiful, um, issue of the Progressive. It's the 100 year Anniversary issue, 1909 to 2009. 100 years of the progressive. Now, this came out in April. It's a big, you know, it's $4 in case you want it. But it's this wonderful magazine. It's one page for every year. A hundred pages. My God. 1911, woman suffrage in Wisconsin. I'll be darned. That was the first state to get. Oh, this is an amazing magazine. I, I've already started marking it. I mustn't do that. I want to keep it in my, my, uh, file of, um, anniversary issues. There's one I have of, Ms. Magazine, the first 25 years. I got my own quotes in there. I just love it. Anyway, I, I have to admit, I'm, ah, I'm the sort of person who saves these things and puts them in plastic covers. They're a hundred years old. There's a article by Matthew Rothschild, the editor at the beginning, and it's amazing to me. I turn page after page and it's all the same story. <laughs> Harold Ickes, 1938. Lawless big business must be controlled to save democracy, Secretary of the Interior says. <laughs> the old struggle between the power of money and the power of the democratic instinct. Nothing changes. There's an article on a woman for president. Uh, red baiting sit down strikes end to war. Oh yes, the massacres in Spain, child labor movement. This is an amazing, amazing issue. I think, I think I must get some more copies and give to my school teacher friends. Uh, the low wages for women, I go back to the year of my birth. 
Diego Rivera Tells His Side of Mural Case by Diego Rivera, 1933. That's the one about the murals in the Radio City Music Hall. Rockefeller took one look at Diego Rivera's work and he said he didn't want Lenin and Marx and all those guys. Um, uh, he says that the people who gave him the work at the Radio City knew perfectly well what his artistic tendencies and social and political opinions were. Anyway, uh, they knocked it down and he had to go home to Mexico anyway. Uh, oh, right here in 1933, 1933, already articles persecuting the German Jews. Oh, Lord. Uh Hitler has voiced the most astonishing pretext for his campaign against Judah. The Jews, Hitler says, have spread malicious lies about the persecution of Jews in Germany. Therefore, to prove to the world that there is no persecution, we will persecute the German Jews. Anyway, <laughs> let's see what else is in here. I, I had something else for today, but... I came to work and I saw this issue. It's just absolutely amazing. Here's something. Uh, After Hiroshima by Norman Thomas. Now, this marks the beginning of my consciousness. I guess the first time uh, I, I was slow. I guess I was in my early teens when they dropped that bomb. And I remember my father who was in the navy in world war ii he was a doctor on one of those hospital ships over in the pacific theater and he said my god they brought down the sun anyway norman thomas writes in 1947 march our obliteration bombing in japan before hiroshima was an atrocity by the standards we ourselves have previously held what then was our use of the first atomic bomb without previous demonstration of its power there was this discussion i'm breaking in here there was this discussion as to whether or not they should uh, bomb an empty island but they decided no that the first bomb would hit hiroshima hit a city uh, Norman Thomas goes on to write, Even if one should grant some legitimacy to the defense of the bombing of Hiroshima, there was no excuse at all for using a second bomb. <sighs> no excuse for using a second bomb without waiting to learn the political consequences of the use of the first. The nation guilty of dropping the second bomb on Nagasaki was guilty of one of the most inexcusable of all atrocities in the long, bloody pages of history. It cannot come into any court with clean hands. Yes, that was it, the second bomb. <laughs> I think of the the books by Kurt Vonnegut. Remember, there was one, I've forgotten the name of that one. It wasn't Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, Cat's Cradle, anyway... It was the uh, pilot of that plane that dropped the Mamo Nagasaki. Here's a little, uh, a little bit depressed. Anyway, there's another piece here by Norman Thomas, Blood and Oil in Palestine. Oh, 1947. What do you know? <laughs> the same faces here. 
Oh, Lord. Ah, George Will. Ugh. Let's see. There was one more. Let's see. I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Here you go, folks. There's something back in 1980. I remember I was working for a group of psychiatrists at the time, and I noticed that, uh, <laughs> oh, yes, women, yes, women. Uh, there was a book by Phyllis Chesler called Women in Madness, and I realized what a market uh, there was in women's neurosis. Here's something written in December of 1980. By Tony Kiefer. It's called the Neurotic Woman Syndrome. Women are the prime target of the nation's major drug companies. <laughs> All intent on making a buck. Peddling mood, mood-altering drugs for problems. As diverse and vague as loneliness. Gosh. Women are lonely in 1980. And they had marital anxiety. And they had... Psychic tension. I remember all those ads for Valium, right? There was one particular one I liked. Uh, it was about women who had an Oedipus complex. You know, she could never find a man to match daddy, you know, so they give her Valium. Anyway, this article goes on to say, such pandering to sexual stereotypes finds a ready response in a male-dominated medical profession which writes more than twice as many prescriptions for women as for men. Same today, folks. Same today. Isn't it wonderful to know? <laughs> if you're a conservative, it's nice to know that everything remains the same. Here is dear, dear Molly Ivans. Back in April 1993, Molly Ivans wrote in the Progressive... It would help if the government managed to get all its oars in the water in this gaze in the military deal. Look, here's the military spending our tax dollars to pay photographers to burst into bedrooms in the private homes of gay military personnel in order to catch them in flagrante on film at the same time. Here's Jesse Helms raising all kinds of dust with the National Endowment for the Arts. Lest a nickel of taxpayer money be spent to support artists who take... Erotic photos of gays. Now, don't you think something could be worked out here? If Robert Maplethorpe hadn't croaked, he'd be the perfect guy for the military to hire to take the photos they need of gays doing it. <laughs> anyway. Oh, gosh. I guess, yes, uh, the last page... 2009, aha, a picture of dear, dear, dear Barack Obama. Aha, it is equally reasonable, yes, it is reasonable for progressives to assume that Barack Obama wants to do the right thing. But it is necessary for progressives to understand that as with FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, they will have to make Obama do it. <laughs> yes, they said, you elected me, now get out there and make it happen. Okay, and Naomi Klein, all the wonderful new, new progressive writers. Uh, this is such a lovely magazine. I'm so pleased to get it. 
uh, what would I do without KPFA listeners to keep me up to date? I was thinking last night, looking through my New Yorkers, uh, how happy I am to have my, my candy, my eye candy, as well as my uh, mind gum. Just chew on the New Yorker, the talk of the town. I never miss it. This year, I got a um, subscription of the New Yorker to give my 14-year-old grandson. And <laughs> I thought, well, at least, you know, he'll read the cartoons. But uh, he's more sophisticated than that. I think he'll he'll get it. But uh, I looked through and there were a couple of things that I thought might be a little salty for a 14-year-old. But these days, frankly, I don't think it's any good trying trying to protect the children. Uh, I think we just have to educate them. Uh, this current issue of the New Yorker for June 22, 2009, Talk of the Town, has a wonderful article by the ever-brilliant Hendrik Hertzberg. Now, you know, you can wait until he puts his uh, essays into another big book. He has one big book out, Hendrik Hertzberg, the political writer for the New Yorker, but I just save them. I have a stack of them because he always has just the right spin. I am a little weary of trying to read everything. I just can't do it. I'm afraid I'd like to know that there's an editor out there helping me. Uh, I know, I know that it's more democratic to read everything that's written. Well, anyway, the New York Times, but I like what the the New Yorker does. They do seem to kind of boil it down, synthesize it, and package it. Packaging is everything, they say. Uh, the comment that uh, Hendrik Hertzberg wrote this new issue is called The Obama Effect. We know what that's all about. We heard it this morning. We heard uh, the president use his sense of humor to keep people at a distance, yes. What are they calling that now? The Shakespearean, the Shiite Shakespeare, right. Uh, <laughs> the, the drama of the moment. Uh, these plays that are going on um, over in Iran. But what this article does in the Obama effect, uh, Harrisburg points to what I guess I would call, um, what is it? It's not just his mellowing. It's it's his civilized tone of voice. Uh, I listen to the right-wingers, and they, they sound like thugs. Uh, even McCain this week was just ugly, just downright grim. You know, they sound like bullies out in the schoolyard, uh, name-calling. Whereas the president, uh, no matter what he does, always speaks as though problems were solvable. Uh, I'm looking here at this article. Uh, here's what he said, yes. This is the Cairo speech, the Cairo speech. You remember how beautifully he uh, expressed himself there. Uh, he lamented that the fear and the anger provoked by the Enormous trauma, those were his words, the enormous trauma of 9-11 had, quote, led us to act contrary to our traditions and our ideals. 
and he called our most shameful act by its name, torture. I was thinking of that article about Hiroshima, the fact that someone somewhere said that it was the bloodiest crime in history. Uh, we forget very quickly, don't we? Um, anyway, the president has acknowledged our sins. He knows that change is in the air in Tehran and in Iran. And Tehran is the, what do you call it, the heart of, I, I guess, I guess I'd call it New Ageism. They've got it. There's nothing you can do about the way information is, what's the word, uh, ubiquitous. Everybody knows everything all at once. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of scary. Uh, sometimes I think we need to narrow things down till they mean something. Take just one little piece of information at a time. This morning I was talking to a friend about the French and how they've decided that they don't want women in burqas. And she said, well, women should be allowed to wear anything they like. And I said, well, you know, this is a problem. We really hit the wall with that one. Uh, I think maybe KPFA listeners know the answer to that one. Uh, if a young woman came up to me and said that, she felt that it was uh, a religious statement or that it was a, uh, her personal choice to walk around in a tent. I couldn't say no to that. I believe in individual choice. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, at the same time, I think I'm with the French government. I don't like to see symbols of uh, patriarchal past, the uh, the time when women were property long, long before the prophet came on the scene. Uh, those veils that goes back to uh, a time so long ago, it's hard to it's hard to understand why women would want to go back to that veil. Uh, this past weekend, I watched the most interesting television show. A young woman from Iran, uh, she was in the revolution. She was a kid in the 1979 revolution. And she was very surprised, uh, you know, after the uh, Shah was evicted from the state that uh, the women put back on the veil. Anyway... She decided to make a movie. She wanted to make a movie about the wife of the Shah. The Shah died, um, gee, within a year or two of being ousted in 1979. And his uh, lovely young wife, she would be a few years younger than I am now, she lives in Paris. And this young woman from Iran had a lot of trouble persuading her to make a documentary for television, but bit by bit she persuaded this lovely lady, <laughs> she's, she's a lady, uh, to uh, put herself on film. Uh, the Shaw's wife is, uh, what is it, uh, a gracious bourgeois lady. She... Um, she didn't want to be photographed having her hair done or at a fashion show. She wouldn't allow that. But she took this young Iranian filmmaker, she took her to uh, the grave of her daughter. Her daughter had died, uh, a victim of today's uh, neuroses. Uh, there was some talk about, um, uh, oh, what was it? Not, uh, well, anorexia 
and uh, eating disorders, that kind of thing. Apparently, the young uh, woman had OD'd. And the mother wept copiously and said how sad and difficult it was for her to understand things like eating disorders. But this young woman had um, died of what uh, wealthy young women die of these days. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I thought the, the documentary was extremely ironic. I I think that the the young woman was trying to be sympathetic. Uh, hard to say. She At one point, she was talking about her uh, romance with the Shah, and she had asked the Shah what he saw in her, why he wished to marry her, and he had said that he admired or he loved her simplicity. I think you can take that for what it's worth. Think it through. Uh, anyway, this wonderful article in the Talk of the Town seems to indicate that our president does know how to talk to Muslim audiences without insulting them. It says here that his Cairo address had the qualities we have come to expect from his best speeches. That is, empathy, frankness, respect for his listeners' intelligence. As we know, he's not a touchy-feely guy like Clinton, but he, what he does is show respect. I think that's probably the most important thing a leader can do. Now, he has that inherited advantage, you know, because his father was uh, from Kenya. Uh, it says here in um, Hendrick's article that the words and phrases Obama uses might sound strained or pandering coming from any other Western leader. That's it, that's it. He can say what the others can't say. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama's personal history drains the condescension from his recitation of the contributions of Islam to world civilization and of Muslims to American life. This is true. I was thinking the other night I was reading Persian poetry and I thought, my gosh, uh, you know, he can do that without sounding affected. Uh, Obama sprinkled in, here's what Hertzberg uh, uh, says. He says that Obama sprinkled markers of respect. Uh, he said that Islam was, quote, revealed. He mentioned Moses, Jesus, and Mohammed. And whenever he mentioned them, he followed, as in the Islamic custom, by the words, Peace be upon them. He said the Koran was the holy Koran, as holy as the Holy Bible. Uh, there were some moments of excess in his speech. There were some errors of omission. He boasted that the United States government has gone to court to protect the right of women and girls to wear the hijab and to punish those who would deny it. Now, that's a clause too far. Uh, actually, I haven't done that. Uh, the secular French Republic has its sacred traditions, too. And one of them forbids the display of religious accessories in state schools. Uh, a mention of the 800,000 Jewish refugees from Arab lands might have been in order. 
the Jews tie to the land might have been mentioned, uh, if not to the state of Israel. Let's see now. Uh, that's that predates the Holocaust, anyway. It's a muddle. It's a muddle. It's more. It's more the tone of things, the attitude of the speaker towards his subject. We call tone, right? Anyway. Uh, Hertzberg goes on to say that Obama is seeking to create a new mood, a mood uh, that's a prerequisite to progress. He did not speak of terrorism or the peace process. Once again, I think the word terrorism is as meaningless, uh, what is it, terrorism, it's like communism, it just, just doesn't work. Um, instead... Uh, this is what Obama said. Uh, he said that the Palestinians must abandon violence. Resistance through violence and killing is wrong and does not succeed. For centuries, black people in America suffered the lash of the whip as slaves and the humiliation of segregation. But it was not violence that won full and equal rights. Whoops! Interrupt, Jennifer. Ah, oh, pardon me. I think we had a civil war, Barack. He'll get around to that later. He, he did bring that up later. <laughs> He's talking about the stage, um, the stage of, uh, change, uh, the civil rights movement. He's talking about that. Uh, he says, uh, it is a sign neither of courage nor power to shoot rockets at sleeping children or to blow up old women on a bus. That's about the Palestinians. Anyway. Barack goes on to say, the United States does not accept the legitimacy of continued Israeli settlements. This construction violates previous agreements and undermines efforts to achieve peace. It's time for these settlements to stop. Now, we all know Hillary Clinton has said as much. She's over there trying to uh, elbow them into behaving themselves. Uh, now, for admonishing Palestinians with the experience of African Americans, Obama got no thanks from American neoconservatives. They deployed a, uh, what would the expression, moral equivalence and attacked the comparison. Now, uh, if it is an exaggeration to equate Palestinian suffering with the sufferings of American blacks, under the two and a half centuries of chattel slavery, comparing it with the century of segregation and disenfranchisement that followed, is both useful and fair anyway. Uh, it was not abolished without violence. Slavery was never, uh, uh, what is it, uh, there was hope. I, I remember thinking once um, that there could have been, there just could have been, a non-violent end to slavery. But um, I think perhaps, well, I've heard so many people say that it was a good thing or a wise thing that all those white boys uh, died to end slavery. I don't think that's what they thought they were dying for. Oh, how, oh, how muddled it all is. Uh, Anyway, it's the official American view that Israel's settlements on the West Bank should stop expanding. Even George Bush criticized the settlement activity. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, uh, I haven't got time to finish this this uh, bit about Hendrik Hertzberg's discussion of Obama's Cairo speech. Look it up. It's very, very interesting. It's in the talk of the town in the New Yorker. It's called the Obama Effect. It's all about whether or not our president can have uh, a wise effect on the Middle East, on what's going on over there, and especially his connection with the Muslim uh, leaders. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning, 8.20. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. This is not a fundraising plea. It's a political alert from Pacifica Radio Network to you, KPFA listeners and California activists. This year marks the 60th anniversary of the Pacifica Foundation, a beacon for listener-supported, non-commercial free media since 1949. You can help keep KPFA radio alive and get your voice heard by running for your KPFA station board and voting for the listener candidates. Nominations are now open for the 2009 KPFA local board election. As part of the board, you will help ensure that KPFA programming continues to represent the diverse voices of our community. Please visit pacifica.org slash elections for more information and contact the KPFA election supervisor to receive a nomination package by writing an email to election at kpfa.org or calling 510-848-6767 extension 626.